grew up in a church that uh, <clears throat> we didn't go to church very often. So uh, didn't really know what baptism was all about. Uh, had a few good role models in the town I, I grew up in, but uh, wasn't much interested in baptism or going to church very often at all. After coming to work at Highland, moving to Abilene, it became more interesting to me and as it was modeled better by father-in-law, by cousin. Dickie Porsche, Steve Hare. I mean, I think that there were so many people. I had, I had prayed uh, for many years, but especially once we got to Abilene, just prayed that, that God would put uh, a man in his life and God answered that prayer, not just with one man, he answered with lots of men. He put them, work, put him working in Highland Church of Christ, and so he was surrounded. Reason for wanting to get baptized uh, was I was a father now, and had been for five, seven years, and just wanted to be a better role model for my children, uh, be a better father, a better husband, uh, just a, a better person altogether and, and so after some study with uh, an elder or two made the decision to get baptized and uh, actually right here behind us which we did not own at the time Brenda Crane owned it and uh, she was just a, a big part of my life at church when she was working there and uh, I chose this place to get baptized because we had some special ties with her and whatnot. Uh, whenever I think of uh, my baptism and the baptism story, I think of it starting before I was even born. I, I think of my, my grandparents, really even my great-grandparents that were praying into the generations that would be following Jesus. Um, and so then, then I think of the rituals and the Bible studies and the way that, that my parents did their very best to, to demonstrate that love and grace of Jesus to me. My baptism, you know, the physical act of, of uh, being immersed into water as a really crucial physical marker of, of choice in my faith journey. I came out of the water, you know, the physical water of baptism, but I remained fully immersed into the, the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, uh, that, that my baptism story continues. Uh, for the longest time, I felt like I wasn't ready, wasn't good enough, or didn't really know what it meant to be baptized. And I started asking more questions. I mean, through the years, I had been having like deeper talks with people, I mean, church camp and whatnot. But uh, I think I started really thinking about it when <clears throat> I had that conversation with my mom. And uh, she's told me that I'm never going to be ready. It's just going to be something that you're going to have to dive right in, pour yourself into. And, then the next day I went on another Bible study and I had a friend told, tell me that you're never going to be ready and that's two times I heard the same message and that night I called her and then I called my poppy and asked if he would baptize me. I picked this location one because uh, I know my dad has been baptized here and so that, was, that meant a lot to me. And then being baptized by, uh, by Larry, that was really special because he's always been a pretty steady Christian role model for me, like really excellent man and I knew he baptized my dad and I knew that would be special I think what I hope, what I hope flows out of this is that like like my dad I hope that eventually for my family I'm not a dad yet or anything but I hope that I am gonna be a good Christian role model for them I hope I can lead by example I'm gonna be reading Romans 6 4 through 5 
Therefore we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For we have been united with him in death like his. We will certainly be united with him in resurrection like his. Good morning, Highland. My name is Shane Hughes. I'm one of the ministers here. And and this whole series that we're engaging with uh, right now, the the desire to be known and uh, to know and be known, is, is an effort for us to come together as a church. And it strikes us that you might want to become connected to our body. And I, I want to encourage you to go to highlandchurch.org slash connect. And there's a lot of different ways there. You can scroll down that page and see a lot of different ways that you can connect with us. You can let us know that you were watching with us, and we'd love to follow up with you. If you need to plug into Highland Cares uh, because you need some pastoral help, uh, we want to walk beside you through this time. There are great classes and offerings online that you can follow there. And at the very bottom, uh, because we're focusing on baptism today, there's a place where you can respond if you would like to be baptized. Uh, We have people at this church that want to follow up with you. Um, Before we jump into the sermon, I'd, I'd like to pray if you'll join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to be gathered under your banner. Father, we're grateful for the way that you have shaped our lives moving in hearts and minds before we were born to create the story, to form the legacy, to bring us here now. And Father, we pray as we enter into your word that you'll pour through me the gift of preaching. And I pray that uh, your Holy Spirit will fill our hearts and every nook and cranny, every house and apartment, and every place in the world Uh, who's paying attention right now, that you will fill our lives and that we might know you more clearly. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. And the church says, amen. I want us to think about the legacy of the story that we watched from the Etheridges. You know, Jim's spiritual legacy was, was kind of stunted. It wasn't, it wasn't completely formed. And he needed a, a set of, of, of spiritual leaders and mentors to come alongside him. And he didn't really found that until he, he came to Highland. And elders and others began to walk with him and help him realize who he was. And he committed himself to, to breaking that generational cycle of dysfunction. One of the reasons Jim says he's baptized is because he wanted to provide a place and an environment where his children could know who God is and know who they are too. Gretchen grew up in a legacy of generational faith. Parents and grandparents and great-grandparents who prayed for her before she was born that she might know the Lord and, and follow Jesus. It was a very different story than what Jim grew up in. People praying for her before she existed. And and Ethan grew up in in a household that allowed him to make the choice to give his life to Christ in baptism about two weeks ago. And I hope you heard the words of Ethan that part of the reason why he wanted to give his life to God was so that he, like his father and his grandfather, and his mother, and all of those that had poured into him so that he could join in that legacy to create a space and a place 
for his children who aren't born yet might come to know God. And I think we all have stories of blessings and curses that we've inherited from our past, and you have so little control over what you receive. And it's difficult to imagine being responsible for the gift of your spiritual heritage. In the same way, it's difficult to be responsible for the color of your eyes. It's just something you're born into. It's, it's good and it's bad and sometimes it's a mixed bag, but the reality is you can't ignore it. I, I grew up in an environment very similar to the story that Gretchen told. Generations of Christians who helped me see the nature of God, who sometimes invited me and other times dragged me into worship so that I could learn who God was and, and who I am. And the church that I grew up in was pretty fundamentalist in a lot of ways. They were very legalistic, but they were the most loving church I could imagine. I had spiritual aunts and uncles who knew my name and knew that I played in the band and they would ask me those questions and, and, and they, they cared about my life. I was baptized on a Tuesday night on a cold February because our, our youth group was meeting on Tuesday instead of Wednesday for some reason that year. Nobody else was in the building, but on the, my, I made that decision. Within 40 minutes, there were dozens of church members who drove from all over Denver just so they could see it happen. And I think we have a collective legacy about baptism as well. Our movement has a legacy. And like most of our experiences, there's some bright spots in that, a lot of great things, and there's some that are less so. And I think if I was preaching this sermon about 10 years ago, I would probably spend the rest of the sermon telling you how they were wrong and, and now we've right and now we've got it all figured out. But I don't know if it's wisdom or humility or just a lot of uncertainty about what I know and what I don't know. I'm not going to do that today. Okay, maybe just one thing. That's all I'm going to do today. Maybe just one little bit. If there's one weakness in our theology of baptism, it's that we fail to understand baptism as a sacrament. And what I mean by a sacrament, it's, it's, a, it's a moment or a ritual or an experience that we have with God where God's grace is, made, is poured into our reality. It's more real than real. And you might be saying to yourself, now wait a minute, we care more about baptism than anybody else, and you might be right about that. But we've treated it as something other than sacrament. And I think that's made it in some ways kind of anemic. Our movement and its rationalistic endeavor took the sacraments and tried to squeeze all of the mystery out of them. And instead of drinking the juice, we were just left with the pulp to make it predictable and formulaic. And that may have been the best move, what we needed in modernity, the, the sort of baptism that's going to win arguments and debates, but it didn't leave a lot of space for the transcendence of God. And what I do know is, is the closer I get to the experience of God, the closer you get to those moments of sacrament where reality becomes thin and God becomes real, the more likely your words are to fail you. It is so difficult to articulate the love of God or the nature of God or the presence of God. But when you experience those things, they transcend our minds. And we know what love is. 
Have you ever had one of those moments that's so life-defining that it becomes the lens and the motivation for every other moment in your life? Everything else is different because of that moment. Think of the story uh, by Victor Hugo, Les Miserables. Jean Valjean has that encounter with that priest who buys his life with candlesticks, and the rest of the story of his life is based on that moment. Think of Mark Zuckerberg, who could not get a date his freshman year at Harvard, and so he built this website so that he could meet girls, and it changed the world. Think of the first time that Galileo or Copernicus looked through a telescope. Have you ever had one of those life-defining moments? A friend of mine uh, that went to our church in California, he wrote a book about life-defining moments. And, and he tells the story of, of Doug Dietz. Doug Dietz was a, he was an engineer who was redesigning the next generation of the MRI machine. And he, he created some really clever and brilliant changes that made the MRI much more functional. And he was so proud of that machine. And the first time it was installed in a new hospital, he walked into that room and he, and he describes it as walking into the place where your child is born. He felt this fatherly uh, pride and, and, he, and he, he wanted to see the first person experience it. And so he waited and, and he saw this child and this father walking down the hospital corridor. And he heard the father say, I know it's scary, you just need to be brave. And it changed the way that Doug saw his machine. He looked down and saw that warning sign of the, the big magnet and the giant exclamation point on the floor. And he saw how uh, clinical and scary that MRI machine looks from the outside. And he knew that once you got inside of the machine, it feels very claustrophobic. And most children, most children, when they experience an MRI, they have to be sedated because it's the only way they can stay still in the machine, which is a dangerous thing for a child to experience when they're very ill. Dietz was so proud of the accomplishment that he had done. But in that moment of seeing that child afraid, he realized something had to change. And so he made different MRI machines for children. Because everybody knows that all a child needs is a blanket, a couch, and a few clothespins, and they can build a fort. And so he reimagined what an MRI machine might look from a child's perspective. And, and he made it an adventure. He made it a submarine. He made it something that they could experience. Not only were the children blessed by that, but Dietz was changed. He wasn't any longer an engineer trying to design a slightly better MRI machine, he was a healer. He was part of a medical community that was helping save children's lives. The cross, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is that defining moment. But it's not just that defining moment for you or for me. It's the defining moment for the universe. Everything that came before or after in the history of time is seen through the lens of the cross. 
And that's how your baptism functions. It functions in the same way. You might not realize the importance of the gravity of, of the meaning, the way, that the way your life is going to be blessed or challenged and changed. The whole story of creation from fall to incarnation to rising up again to glory is contained in that story of your baptism. It changes us. It saves us. It redefines our lives and it redefines our families. It redefines our professions. You might think you're an engineer making a slightly better product, but really, you're a healer. And how it happens is it's sacrament. How it happens is grace. And the closer to we get to it, the more we realize it's it's a mystery. In Romans, Paul is trying to articulate the big mystery of God. And he begins in chapter 1 by talking about how all the Gentiles are just a bunch of sinners. And they're, they're, they're terrible people. But then he takes chapter 2 to tell us, well, you that are in the faith, you Jewish folks, you're just as bad as they are. And in chapter 3, he describes how we're all fallen short of, of the glory of God. We are all sinful. All of the universe has been twisted and out of frame and shape by the power of sin in our world. And then he makes this turn in chapters 4 and 5 where he describes how what happened in the first Adam, the sinful Adam, is going to be redeemed in the second Adam in Christ. And when he gets to chapter 6, he's trying to unpack and unfold what this looks like in our lives. And, and he says in Romans 6, beginning in verse 1, What then shall are we to say? Should we continue in sin? Should we continue in this sinful world, this broken order of the chaos, in order that grace may abound? But by no means. How can we who died to sin go on living in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with, with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so me, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Now, how this happens is a mystery. But we lean into the mystery and there's all of these ways in which Scripture and the people of God over, over time have tried to articulate how is it that the, the cross the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. How is it that that saves us? And it might be that Christ conquers the powers of sin and death. He puts the demons back in their place. It could be that Christ buys the slave debt. You were once captured, but, but Christ in his death, he purchased you for freedom. It could be that Christ satisfies God's wrath on your behalf. Or maybe it's that Christ trailblazes away to God. And we just kind of lean on and hang on to him as he carries us to heaven. It could be that just Christ's example, that one life that was full of love and no hurt, that example redeems the world. Well, which one is the right one? It, it doesn't matter. What we believe is that the nature of the cross and the empty tomb change our lives and it changes our world. It leads to the restoration of all things. God, through his infinite grace and power and mercy, began a work before time that was realized through Christ 
And we join it. We carry out that part of his unfolding kingdom. Baptism is the full immersion of the disciple into everything that Jesus is and continues to be. And at this single event, the person of Jesus mystically deepens our connection to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit who restores us to all righteousness and graces us with the fruit of the Spirit. And for our whole lives, the church and the work of the Spirit leads us to our baptism and from our baptism. And we are continually formed and reformed by the repeating story of the death, burial, and resurrection. Our baptism is not just a moment, but it's a marker of our obedience in a long journey. It's like a ring that gets placed on your finger or a tattoo that gets put on your arm. It's a stake in the ground for a new thing. And it captures that meta-narrative, that big story of the cosmos being redeemed. And we live it out. We live it out in, in big ways and we live it out in small ways. I asked David and Cynthia tonight to reflect for just a moment on what that looks like in their lives as they live out their baptism story in their family and in their city and in their world. For me, my life has been formed by the story of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection since the day I was born, having been raised in the church and surrounded by family and friends that are believers in this story. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection has affected and looked different over the years um, as a young Christian to now, 45 years later. As I've stumbled through life, um, Jesus' story continually reforms me through big challenges such as adopting Becca and Faith, um, spending time as an in, in an inpatient treatment facility, um, to now raising Becca and Faith. But also in small ways, um, like daily, trying to die to self, bury things of me that are not of Jesus. One way is the simple act of swallowing pride and apologizing to David and the girls and asking for their forgiveness when I mess up. Um, all of it being in an attempt to live out the death and burial of myself to living as a new creation, as a forgiven one in his resurrection. My background is pretty similar to Cynthia's in that I was also uh, raised uh, in the church. Uh, I was baptized in high school, but I would say that it wasn't really until college that I kind of really got captured by the story of Jesus, and that was through our campus minister when I was in college, leading us through uh, Philippians 2 and the way that it talks there about uh, Jesus having everything and being willing to give that up and take on human nature, uh, which was the nature of a servant, uh, being willing to empty himself out, and then that God exalted him in doing that. And it was at college that I really became aware of just how privileged I was, how much I had been uh, given. And so it really created kind of a stark decision point for me about what I was going to uh, use as the founding principle of my life. 
Um, as somebody who had a lot, um, I could use the opportunities that I had for me or I could decide to die to myself and try to bury the one who wants to selfishly benefit from those opportunities and then be raised up as a new person who's like Jesus and using those opportunities for others. Uh, now I work as a teacher and uh, in that I can exalt myself as the authority, as the expert, as the one in the room who knows all the things, um, or I can die to that part of myself that might want recognition and then be raised again as a new person who is like Jesus in using my knowledge and skills for others. Uh, and then as a male, as a husband, as a father of daughters, um, I can take advantage of my physical size and superiority to impose my will on the women in my house. And that's a, a physical possibility. Or I can die to and try to bury that part of myself and be raised again as a new person who's like Jesus in using my body, using my strength uh, to take care of others instead of to dominate them. And so those are some ways that I see uh, the story of Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection continuing to reform me, uh, beginning at my baptism and also flowing out of that into my adult life. One of the things I love about the reflection that the Knife shared was how your life in baptism is, is about dying. It's dying to yourself and dying to your own desires for the sake of something bigger than you, your, your family or your community or your God. And you can't escape that in Romans chapter 6. Your baptism is about death. We are going to die. And the question is, how are we going to die? Not one day in the future when, when you actually die, but every day as you wake up, how are you going to choose to die today? How are you going to choose to die tomorrow? It reminds me of, of a man that passed this week. His name was Mike Myers, and uh, he was 72. He was at the same church nearly his entire uh, ministry career, but he changed youth ministry completely. He was one of the first youth ministers in America in the Churches of Christ, like Big Don Williams and some of the others. And he influenced an entire generation of youth ministers through his kind and compassionate, empathetic listening, developing and nurturing and leading them. Mike died last week for the last time. But the truth was, he had been dying every day ever since he gave his life to Christ. May we have the courage and the strength to do the same. Because the promise of baptism is not that one day you're going to die. It's that one day we're going to live forever. And our lives together as we know who God is and learn to love one another. And we actually learn to know who we are and we, we learn to love ourselves. In that process, we get the foretaste. We get the beginning. We get the hint. We get the echo of what our lives will be like. And what we share together, we, we gather in, in communion to remember the life of Jesus. And, and if, if you're in your place right now and you have those elements, go ahead and, and get them ready right now because uh, we're going to take communion in just a second. But before we do, I want you to, to do something for me. 
We have these pathway rhythms that we've been engaging in uh, every week, and, and I want you to think about some things you could do this week to help capture the story of your baptism. And what I'd like you to do this week is, is to share. I'd love for you to write or record or tell your baptism to someone else in your family or your circle of friends. Maybe this is something, if you have the courage, post it on Facebook and let the world know about your confession. Why did you decide to give your life to God? What happened leading up to that event? And how has your life been different because of your confession that Jesus is Lord? And maybe you grew up with that legacy like Gretchen and me where you had strong examples of what that looks like or maybe you've just been trying to figure this out by yourself like Jim because you didn't have anybody to show you the way. Regardless of where your life is, begin creating that legacy now. Because there is somebody younger than you that needs to hear that. I I don't care if, if you're in high school or middle school, if you have been baptized into Christ, there is someone below you that needs to hear this story. And so share it with them. Maybe it's just time to start or restart to take the next step. Our our spiritual walk is a journey of untold joy and adventure with God, but sometimes we get stuck or we get waylaid or lost, and maybe it's time just to take some time to reflect on your relationship with God and, and consider what the next step is. The last challenge I want to make, and this is just for some of you, is to discover. Where do I begin If you are ready to begin your journey with God, we want to be here and walk with you. Baptism is the beginning. And if you'd like someone to study with you or to answer questions or to to hear your story, what we'd like you to do is to go to highlandchurch.org slash connect and go scroll down to the very bottom and and you'll hear your baptism story. You'll see that there and, and just let us know and someone's going to be in touch with you this week. I want to challenge you to engage in these spiritual disciplines this week. But right now, as we uh, begin to kind of spend some time in communion and reflecting on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, I'd like for you to answer a question with the people that you're with. And if, if you're there by yourself, give somebody a call. And if that means you have to pause the live stream, go ahead and do that. That's just fine. We, we, we don't mind. But give somebody a call and and tell, tell them your baptism story. And if you don't want to tell it, just spend some time reflecting on it. But this is a gift that God has given you. Your children need to hear this story. Take a few moments right now and reflect, talk, or maybe give somebody a call and tell them your baptism story. So maybe it's time. Maybe it's time for you to meet Christ in the waters. Maybe it's time for you to start a new legacy. Maybe it's time to quit living for yourself and find something bigger. We want to walk with you in that. We want to help you find the tools. We want to help you find the God that will meet you. And your life is never going to be the same. We'll follow up with you. Go to highlandchurch.org slash connect. Someone will be in touch with you this week. Otherwise, may you be filled with God's spirit. Maybe you have courage to tell the story of what God has done with your life. May you see Jesus in every face you meet. Go in peace.